Good morning to you, the 21st of February, 2024. We are now past the first week of Lent, although this is the first full week. But it's been one week since Ash Wednesday. And if I have time in this stream, I may provide to you a, uh, a Lenten message from one of our good bishops that we tend to follow on this channel. But let's get to our news today, which is we have more signals coming from what we would call the prelates in the know that the that Rome is going to further tighten the thumbscrews on the traditional mass. Now, <clears throat> this seems to have come out of the blue, really, because in the last few weeks, suddenly we got a flurry of traditional masses being banned. And when you look at the calendar, it kind of makes sense that it would begin to happen at this time. It's 2024, and we are now, it's early in 2024. And if you go back in time to 2021, when Traditionis Custodis was issued, there were a number of dioceses that wrote to Rome asking for permission to extend their existing mass offerings to get a, to give them more time to implement the decree. And the ones that were given permission were given two years of permission. And when that was, so they started getting those notices in early 2022, mid 2022, depending on when they submitted these. And I, back in those days, I reported on those two as a good sign but they were typically given two or three years to extend the, their mass offerings. And so now here we are two years later and we're getting the signs that a lot of those are being, that a lot of those extensions are ending and not being renewed. And this is signaling also the next phase of the banning of the traditional mass. And so let's actually go here for some context to something I've covered before from Francis, the great and merciful who said to the national Catholic register, well, you start talking randomly about liturgical reform. And so we get this headline from a couple of weeks ago. Without liturgical reform, there is no reform of the church. Speaking specifically on the theme of the Assembly's 2024 meeting, the Pope noted that their work must focus on making formation more accessible. Now, their concern is, of course, that the their reform liturgy isn't exactly being done properly by a lot of priests. The new mass is there there they are they at least feign concern they give lip service to concern about uh liturgical errors being widespread in the church when it comes to the new mass that it drives people away from their mass and makes people seek the traditional mass that is objectively true one of the biggest drivers we've seen were people looking for the fssp or the sspx is the fact that they're, that their otherwise decent diocesan priest will suddenly start saying wacky stuff at the altar and making up the liturgy as he goes along. Many, many such cases. This is nothing new. But this talk about this suddenly just came out of nowhere, seemingly. And that's because a lot of these extensions are closing. But also, it's to change the subject again, because what was going on in the church before this? We were dealing with nonstop fiducia supplicants co coverage. Nonstop. We all got tired of it. And this helped to change the subject, sort of because we still have priests and bishops issuing statements about fiducia supplicants, as you'll find out for me later in the week. But here, for your refresher, is what Francis had to say then, before we go to our main event, which is this, quote, Pope Francis met with the members of the Vatican's dicastery for divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments on Thursday. This would have been around the 5th or 6th of February. 
morning to discuss the importance of liturgical reform as a core feature of the broader renewal of the church. The address comes at the dicasteries meeting for its annual plenary assembly, which is addressing, quote, the liturgical formation from Sacrosanctum Concilium to Desiderio Desiravi for ordained ministers, as well as, quote, liturgical training courses for the people of God. You can pause there. The liturgical training courses for the people of God will have, I'm sure they'll pay some lip service to getting laity to stop doing things they shouldn't be doing at the mass. Whenever you see people raising their hands in the orange position, they're doing this stuff during the prayers. You're not supposed to do that. That's a violation of the general instruction of the Roman Missal. Those are gestures exclusively reserved for the priest offering the mass. I'm sure they'll pay lip service to that. But the real thing here is that in Traditionis Custodis, or its accompanying letter to the bishops, it was expressly stated that the purpose of Traditionis Custodis was to train those of us, quote, dedicated to the, to the pre-reformed liturgy to see the beauty of the Novus Ordo and to come back to it. That was their expressed purpose. That's the end game. And a lot of people have lost sight of that end game. And now, two years later, with a lot of new round of mass closures coming, this is what we're seeing. So let's get back to this for context, though. The meeting will also seek to provide bishops with practical suggestions for developing pastoral projects in their dioceses with the aim of putting into practice the reflections of the papal document of 5th of February press release from the Castry stated, recalling that it has been 60 years since the promulgation of Vatican II's seminal document on the liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium. The Pope stressed in his February 8th address that the liturgical reform underscored the Church Fathers' objective of renewing the Church's fundamental dimensions, such as spiritual, pastoral, ecumenical, and missionary work. Without liturgical reform, there is no reform of the Church, the Pope said. A Church that does not feel the passion of spiritual growth, that does not try to break in an un or speak in an understandable way to the men and women of this time, that does not feel pain for the division between Christians, who does not tremble with the anxiety of announcing Christ to the people, is a sick church. And these are the symptoms the Holy Father emphasized in his address. We'll pause it there. He is saying all that stuff about the pre-reformed liturgy and the church before the council. The church was not interested in in reaching out to people, to healing divisions with the, with uh, separated Christians and from uh, just was not into evangel evangelical work, spreading the gospel, that kind of stuff. It's nonsense. All of that is absolute propaganda nonsense. That's what he's saying. And for him, reform of the church is at the very core of what this is. Remember their critique. The traditional mass, they say, is not compatible with the ecclesiology of the church after Vatican II. Ecclesiology is a fancy word of saying what the church's mission is, what the, how the church the church's very identity is that the traditional mass that, that developed organically from the time of the apostles all the way through the 1960s for 1900 plus years is not compatible with the church's theology anymore. That is what they're saying. And that is what they mean by a reform of the liturgy. It's all really remarkable stuff. And again, it seemed like this came out of the blue. And when it, for all this stuff first came out, I first, at first I and several other of your YouTube commentators all kind of thought this one was an attempt to change the topic from fiducia supplicants to literally anything else, something that most Catholics don't care about. The liturgical reform is something most Catholics just don't care about. But it's become obvious that they're signaling the next phrase of the traditional mass is coming. Because as I said before, traditionus custodis calls for all of us to come back to the Novus Ordo, to be educated on the beauty of it as if our own eyes could tell us that there wasn't something wrong. And so we get 
this as our main story now. This is from the Archdiocese of Chicago. Back in the days when I started my channel, for those of you who've been around watching this for a long time, you'll remember back in like 2018, <laughs> early 2019, I used to refer to Cardinal Supich as a friend of the channel. I did that as a joke because I talked about him so much in those days on this channel that he practically was a friend of the channel. I, I spoke about him more in those days than I did Vigano at the, or Mueller at the height of me covering their work. And Supich is hitting retirement age this year. Just a couple of weeks ago, he met with Francis personally, face-to-face. -face. We don't know what they talked about, but he met with him face-to-face -face in Rome. He hits retirement age this year, where he's going to hit submit his resignation. Francis has the right to accept it or not. My suspicion is he won't accept it, that he will either give him a post in the Roman Curia, though Supich does not speak Italian, so that's a very major barrier to that, or he'll keep him in Chicago for, a, for quite a while. If he has him in Chicago, keeps him in Chicago, then he'll be there for the foreseeable future. But if he moves him to the Roman Curia, don't be surprised if he goes to work in the one dicastery where he doesn't need to speak that much Italian to get to do the work well. And that is the, the to work with in the dicastery for the liturgy under Cardinal Roach. Yes, Cardinal Roach, Papa Roach, who likes to, whose job is to suppress the mass and to help with the implementation of any reforms to the Novus Ordo. That's where he would likely be, but I could be wrong on that. But that's my guess. Let's go to his address, though. This is it's a pretty short thing he had to say here. And he published this on the Chicago Archdiocese website. All the links to it in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. If you're having trouble, like, uh, by the way, somebody in the live chat just before I went live said they had found a few days ago that they had been unsubscribed from my channel without their consent. And so they resubscribed. And then they found again it had happened. If that is happening to you, I highly suggest you use your RSS feed, which I don't know if you can see my browser. You can't see my browser on here, but if you were to go to your browser, you know, where you type in the web address to the right is usually that what looks like a, almost like a Bluetooth signal, except it's like orangish yellow lines. That's your RSS feed. You can go to a, a lot of different websites there and click on it to get notifications there. That's one way to do it. There's also a notification system in at returntotradition.org so you can get an email. Yeah, I don't sell that email list. WordPress runs that website for me, but you'll get all my links and things every day. That's a good backup way to follow me if that's happening to you. So let's go to Cardinal Supich's letter. <laughs> Tell me if you uh, can hear or see in this letter Supich hinting that we're going, that they're going to get rid of the mass and that they're actually really afraid of the resurgence of traditional Catholicism. Without liturgical reform, there is no reform of the church. Dated Ash Wednesday. This thing started making the rounds a couple days ago because almost nobody researched Diocese of Chicago's website. It says, on February 8th, during a meeting of the Dicastery for Divine Worship, of which I am a member, the Holy Father delivered an important address about the importance of liturgical reform. He began by noting that the Council Fathers chose to outline the objectives of Vatican II and Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document calling for a renewal of the liturgy. The Council's aim, as described in that document's opening sentences, Pope Francis recalled was to, quote, reform the church in her fundamental dimensions, to make the Christian life of the faithful grow more and more every day, to adapt the institution subject to change better to the needs of our time, to foster that which can contribute to the union of all believers in Christ, to reinvigorate that which serves to call all to the bosom of the church, it is a task of spiritual, pastoral, ecumenical, and missionary renewal. Let's pause there. That quote from Sacrosanctum Concilium is absolutely what authorizes the complete destruction of the liturgy and the creation of a new mass and an ongoing renewal, so-called, of the liturgy. 
in, conform, in conformity with everything going on in the world. As the world changes, so should the church. That is your line that the modernists will always cite for this, as Subrich did here. Let's continue. The decision to present the goals of Vatican II in the document calling for a reform of the liturgy was intentional. As Pope Francis observed, it is like saying without liturgical reform, there is no reform of the church. Why is the liturgical reform central bringing about the reform of the liturgy? Because the baptized are formed in and from the liturgy. Or as the Holy Father noted, the scope of liturgical reform in the broadest context of the renewal of the church is precisely to bring life to the kind of formation of the faithful and ministry of the pastors that will have their summit and source in the liturgy. It is the liturgy, quote, the quintessential place to meet the living Christ, that we are formed for spiritual growth, to engage the world in this age, to work for Christian unity, and to take up with fresh vigor the mission to proclaim the good news to all people. Again, he's paraphrasing uh, Vatican II documents in that sentence. A church that does not feel the passion for spiritual growth, that does not speak seek to speak comprehensively to the men and women of her time, that does not grieve for the division among Christians, that does not tremble with the eagerness to proclaim Christ to the nations, is a sick church, and these are the symptoms, the Pope explained. Again, that's a dig at traditionalists. The Holy Father also took the occasion to speak about the important role of priests in offering leadership and advancing the reform of the church through the liturgical reform. He referred to pastors as mystagogues who, quote, take the faithful by the hand and accompany them in their knowledge of the holy mysteries. He urged the members of the dicastery to assist pastors in this regard so that they come to know how to lead the people to the good pastors of liturgical celebration where the proclamation of Christ who died and rose again becomes a concrete experience of his life-transforming presence. In, it is in this context that we come to appreciate Pope Francis's clear teaching offered nearly three years ago that, quote, the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI, St. John Paul II, in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II, are the unique expression of Alexa Rondi, the Roman Rite. It is in and from this reformed liturgy that the baptized are continually reformed to take the mission of Christ in our time. Absent our celebration of the reformed liturgy, we risk impoverishing the Christian way of life and the life of the entire church. Or as the Holy Father urged us to understand, without liturgical reform, there is no reform of the church. Now, I dispute the, the, the claim, as should you, that the church needed to be reformed. When you look at the, the data as we had it in the 1960s, things were generally fine in the church. Yes, there was a clear problems with modernism among the clergy and the bishops. After all, the same clergy and the same bishops who celebrated clown masses and John Denver masses and even Elvis Presley masses in the late 60s and early 70s, they were the same priests who in the were around in the 60s and late 50s. Okay, but among the laity, the numbers only went one place after Vatican II, and that was down. They spiraled out of control, and it was, it was when you chart this, this data by the year, it was when the new mass was implemented. Note what he's saying. I left that highlighted on your screen for a reason. We risk impoverishing the Christian way of life and the life of the entire church without this nonsensical idea of liturgical reform. What they are saying is the new mass is revitalizing the church and that the traditional mass impoverishes the faith. Now, I'm not the only one who noticed this. That might You may think that I'm uh, taking it out of context here, but Catholic Vote noted, noted this too, as did Michael Hitchborn of Lepanto Institute. Here he says, quoting Francis, how I would love a church that is poor and for the poor. Francis said this in March of 2013. He says, Michael Hitchborn says, if the traditional Latin mass, quote, impoverishes the church, and Pope Francis wants a poor church, then Pope Francis wants a traditional Latin mass. What am I missing? <laughs> 
that's a good question. The idea, though, that the, the same liturgy that fed the saints for as it developed organically for 1600 years or something impoverishes the churches on its face nonsensical. By the way, I will be appearing with Michael Hitchborn on, I believe, his YouTube channel Thursday. So tomorrow night, uh, 5.30 Central Standard Time. So tune into that. I don't know if we'll be live or pre-recording, but keep an eye on that. You can go find that. We're going to talk about things going on in the church today. But there, this is Supich actually reiterating what Francis is saying. That this new focus, this renewed focus in 2024 on the liturgy, it has only one purpose, and that is the suppression of the, of the traditional mass. You will find the traditional mass, when they're done with it, only in a few places. In religious communities that are allowed to have it, but only privately, meaning monks and nuns will only be able to have it, but no outsiders. And you will find it with uh, what few FSSP parishes you can find, because as we're seeing in France, they're starting to get kicked out of dioceses, and you'll find it in the SSPX. And the funny thing about with the SSPX is there are still people who will tell you that the SSPX are in schism while all this nonsense is going on. And boy, do I have some news for you in the coming days that shows to you that I that it's not just traditionalists anymore noting that what Francis is doing is schismatic. Moderate measured people are as well. And for the people who are pushing a forcing a schism onto the church to claim that the SSPX are in schism is laughable when they've never been declared to be as in, as such. And frankly, at this point, if Francis were to declare them as such, he wouldn't have the authority to do it anyway. You and I all know that. Napoleon says in the chat, interesting, the apostolic church is a sick church, right? That's a little weird, isn't it? It's kind of an odd thing. You know, I get criticized when I point out that, you know, clearly the forces of Satan have taken control of the church. People go, oh, you don't believe the church can't defect. I'm like, no, <laughs> Our Lord said the church would always stand. He didn't tell us what condition it would be in when he came back, except he kind of did. He said, would I find faith in the world? Paraphrase our Lord. But when we listen to the modernists, they make it, it sound like everything is hunky-dory. Everything is fine, except, of course, for those wicked, wicked, rigid traditionalists. Bay State says, then long live the impoverishment. Indeed, long live the impoverishment. <laughs> they tell us they want a, a poor church. Well, and then they tell us, that the traditional mass impoverishes the church. Well, then it sounds like the traditional mass is what you want. Philip says, are they perfidious to the faith or blind to the growth of those seeking to worship sincerely like our forefathers? Where has been the growth with novelty? There has been no growth with novelty. The more novel they get, the more secular, frankly, they get with the liturgy, the more empty the parishes get. Mary McClaw, Mary says, so no Catholic protesting in St. Peter's Square against these. Is serious? Is schism the answer? Schism is never the answer, but don't worry if schism comes, it'll be from the very top. Malachi Martin warned us, and I say this because I'm reminded of this because I'm starting to put together my next episode on for Mal about Mal what Malachi Martin warned us about. He said something that was repeated by other cardinals, and that was that the third secret of Fatima details an apostasy in the church led from the top. It sounds like a contradiction in terms. It really does. But if you begin to understand this in the context of sort of this false church, this ape of the church, and this almost like two churches occupying the same space at the same time, it's the only way that makes any sense. But he wasn't the only one who said it. Liberal cardinals in the 90s said the same thing. <sighs> Let's 
All right, folks. I'm curious if there's anything in the chat to go off of. The one thing I would expect for you to all pay attention to is that you're going to see in the coming weeks and months more dioceses announcing the closure of their traditional parishes. Um, in Austin, they just lost their their cathedral mass, their traditional mass at the cathedral. There are going to be other places that follow suit because a lot of places got extensions so they could uh, have the time to get ready to implement Traditionis Custodis. And two years has passed, have passed since the earliest of those happened. And you're going to see this roll out over the spring and roll out over the, over the summer and into the fall and into next year. And when this is done, the landscape for the traditional mass offering is going to be much different than it is now. You, it, it sound, that sounds incredible when you think about how different it already is from before, from uh, you know July 16th of 2021 when Traditionis Custodis was issued. All right. James says the TLM is the mass for the grownups. I mean, that's all. I mean, it, it's almost true, which is why it's funny that it's uh, the youngest seems to be the one attracted to it. David Wilson says, if this continues, I can see a day and another Pope declaring the SSPX schismatic. I think that's the whole end game here. Honestly, the, you know, put everybody into the force as many people into the SSPX and then formally tell the SSPX they need to, to bend the knee to Vatican II and liturgical reform. And if they don't, they're in formal schism and then excommunicate everybody. That's my suspicion. But I don't think the excommunication of Archbishop Lefebvre was valid. And I don't think this will be valid either. You don't go into schism by firm, holding firmly to the faith. Uh, JD, I don't, I can't speak to what other commentators have to say on, on this stuff. I just tell you, if you want to learn more about the details of the SSPX, uh, YouTube's resident expert on that, it would be Kennedy Hall or the SSPX's own channel. Those are your two places to go. I just am very pro SSPX. I'm also very pro FSSP and pro Institute of Christ the King and pro diocesan TLM and pro religious TLM. I mean, wherever you can find it, that's, I'm pro, I'm for it. Um, yeah, I'm not a Dr. Jones lost me with that with with, with all that base state. It really did. All right. Do I think monks and nuns will survive all this? Um I think the religious who will survive, the traditional ones will be the ones who will be willing to more take the SSPX route or go into what uh Father Martin Navarro has talked about in an article that I covered here a few weeks ago. He brought it like three years ago, but I brought it back in when talking about some other a related story in the news, which was he called Operation Survival, which is the need for religious to seriously consider temporarily stepping back from Rome, basically, that, because the Vatican is not going to authorize traditional religious anymore, any new orders. And they've used the governing mechanisms to try to crush existing ones and force them to become more, more modernist, basically. And the only ones who will survive that will be the uh, ones who step back and say no. What about the Institute of Christ, the King, Sovereign, Priest? Well, um, I mean, any of the ones with a friendly relationship with Rome will probably be forced at some point to um, make deals that will be bad for them in the long run. I mean, these could be seminary formation deals. I mean, think about it. Having a traditional mass, but then your priest give you the typical dad joke, lukewarm homily that doesn't challenge you at all and is generically Christian, but isn't actually all that Catholic, that could happen. That's much more likely to happen to those then. And I go to mass with the FSSP. That's, I mean, I, up front, I do, but I, I, you have to watch this stuff happening because it's, because 
there, those groups already are spread thin and it wouldn't be that hard to crush them, especially when their written protections are, are written on like sheets of paper or something that were never put into the Vatican archives. And they're just on their, on those religious or those priestly fraternity websites that have no legal bearing. Peter Leggett says, if the SSPX is considered a schism, how about the African bishops and the Eastern Byzantine? Would not they have to go also? I've got a video on that, right, coming in a few days. The hint is they appear to be, like, getting ready to brace themselves for a federated two-tiered church, which sounds schismatic to me, not Catholic at all. But that's what it's that's that's what they're bracing for, for the short term. Ambrosian and Anglican, the Anglican, I don't know about the Anglican Ordinariate, but I'll tell you this much. The, um, Ambro the Ambrosian rite is sort of like the Dominican rite and the Carmelite rite. They are variations on the traditional Latin mass peculiar to specific religious orders. And those would also be crushed by traditionalist custodis, essentially. But then again, you only will find the Dominican rite offered by Dominicans. And so they may get a pass, but I, I, those would be probably made private or they'll be banned. Th this is a multi-tiered, this is going to take multiple years for them to get rid of the traditional mass. Some more pontificum open the doors for everything, but to get rid of it is going to take several years. And we're now in the next phase of it, which is cleaning up the cleanup operation on the diocesan level and then moving on to institutes. Hence that my story about Sanctus Ranch a few days ago, if you didn't see that, about how they've just crushed a historic TLM in Texas. And that one had wide ranging consequences. All right, folks. Um, Mike Crisio says the toothpaste is out of the tube. The mess can only get worse because this breakdown in ecclesiastical discipline has no absolutes anymore. Food fights can get ugly. They can get very, very, very ugly. What do you think of the religious deception might be that is mentioned in the catechism to solve man's problems? It's been a long time since I've even cracked open the 1990s catechism. I actually don't like that catechism. It's too big and too broad. I actually recommend people stay away from that one and go to the Catechism of the Council of Trent or the Baltimore Catechism or Bishop Schneider's Credo or any of these more traditionally formatted catechisms because they're they're done the way catechisms had always been until the 1990s, which is a question is posited and then you get an answer from the church, which leads to the next question, which leads to the next answer all the way through the book. And you cover everything that's relevant. Um, Bishop Schneider included some more modern considerations like resisting the Pope and things like that. But that's the one I suggest. But as for the religious deception, I, I, I caution people to against thinking anything going on in the church headlines right now is that religious deception only because you, you're probably wrong and whatever's coming is way worse. And if you accept what is going on now as the religious deception prophesized, because it's from the catechism is just stuff from Catholic prophecy previously. If you if you fall for that, you might act, or if you if you if you erroneously think what we're going on now is that religious deception prophesized, then you may fall for something far worse later on. So I always caution people about reading too much into essentially prophecy. And I say that as someone who's got a We Were Warned video coming on Friday for you, Friday or Saturday. Okay. Um, Levitus says the advent of the new mass of the 60s was an introduction of the planned end of the faith. We live now in the product of decades of satanic ruin. I mean, that's basically true. It's, the modernists want to reduce the faith to a sort of internalized experience and sentimental thing. And the Catholic faith is not an internalized sentimental thing. It is so much more than that. All right, folks, if there are any further thoughts in the live chat, this is your chance to get them in. We will discuss 
I'll take questions here. Any further ones? If not, we will wrap this up. Um, yes, the get used to the syllabus of errors. If you read the syllabus of errors and follow the news in the church, you'll see that the syllabus of errors is prophetic because they're just violating the syllabus of errors left and right center all the time. All right, folks. Thanks very much for tuning in. I've got a interesting news video for you coming up here in just a few minutes. So please tune into that. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.